It feels so good to finally be able to say it's race week. It's back. <laughs> NASCAR this weekend, the start of Speed Weeks 2020. And of course, it all leads up to obviously my favorite day of the year, the 62nd running of the Great American Race, the Daytona 500. This Welcome. actually feels like the longest break we've had like out of all the seasons and I don't know why yeah it's been really long and the other thing is I feel like we're so greedy because every sport is off for like six months we get two months and by the time the Rolex 24 rolls around I feel like I'm going through withdrawals to get back to NASCAR (laughs) racing thankfully the Rolex 24 is a nice little carryover really uh kind of an unbelievable run this time around when you think about it a eight hour green flag run most laps ever run and uh, probably the least caution flags out there. It was a, a complete uh, opposite in contrast to the wild rain-filled race we saw last year. That I, I mean, they might have eclipsed 20 cautions in that <laughs> thing. It was crazy. But we're talking NASCAR today. Welcome to Flag to Flag. I'm Jeremy Kaufman, Fox Sports 640. Our suits from the KVJ show, 97.9 WRMF. We're putting this on the whole KVJ platform and uh, excited to have all of you who are joining us from there checking out the show. Uh, this is my co-host right here, Kristen Schaffaletti, who's what, have you been a NASCAR fan since 2000 or something around there 2001 since. I think with that little photo of me with those headphones yeah so the NASCAR yeah. heritage goes way back with the two of us yep. um so I love doing this show being able to talk NASCAR and uh, we you know we've had the chance to talk to some major drivers you know just this past week we did some interviews um from uh, Super Bowl Radio Row Eric Amarola Kurt Busch was on with us Shannon Spake from Fox Sports so you know we've had a lot of cool opportunities to talk to a lot of amazing people and now as we get ready for 2020 there is so much to talk about, you know, you got the changes, of course, that NASCAR made. I know how that pisses people off. They hate when NASCAR keeps making changes. They made quite a few again this year. Some I like, some I'm not so sure about. Um, I guess start out here. I think the top story right now that people are liking heading into 2020 has got to be the change to the short track package. You know, last year, both Martinsville races, what was it? I mean, 400 plus laps were led by the winners. Bristol was still good, but that's a different animal from some of these flatter tracks. The road courses left a little to be desired, and the big one everybody talked about was the penultimate race, the um, race at Phoenix. That really just didn't live up to the expectations, especially when we're talking about the chance to make the championship four. So NASCAR had made the agreement not to change anything, especially with the new car coming next year with all the teams to keep costs down, but everybody came together and agreed that we need to do something, especially now that Phoenix is the championship. We can't have a race like right. that, especially with like the whole it was. <laughs> You know, look, I mean, I, I find something exciting with racing every time. There was strategy to follow. There was the thing with Joey Logano and Kyle Busch being so close on the battle to make it to the Final Four. But the from overall. a when you're watching the action, right. it, it just it left it left a lot to be desired. So right. here's what we're going to be seeing pretty much next year. They're going to take a lot of the downforce out of the cars, which is what people want across the board. And I, I'm kind of on the same side. Talking to the drivers, they seem to be on the same side that they want downforce out of these cars. Mm-hmm. We're still running that low horsepower, high downforce package on the mile and a half, which did deliver some good racing last year. So I'm not too upset about that. The changes, though, this lower downforce package, the big thing that they're going to do is shorten up that uh, spoiler and splitter. Big change there, significantly smaller, and I think that's going to make it better because you're going to put more in the driver's hands and you're going to probably have... More control. Better passing because the guys that are struggling with their cars, not everybody's glued to the racetrack like they are, and it gives you the opportunity to move forward, fall back. Good, you're going to make a tire change as well, something that will hopefully have more wear to it. And overall, just put a better race out there. So these changes, you know, uh, the road courses, Sonoma, Watkins Glen, the Charlotte Roval are all going to feature that, plus uh, Phoenix, Bristol, Richmond, Dover, Martinsville, New Hampshire, all tracks that, you know, have really fallen off 
over the last few years. Dover, especially, I think, um, is such That's an exciting track. Great, like within years, my parents would always go out to Dover on vacation every year. And now it's like they're like, yeah. Mm. But yeah, Dover's a weird one. I mean, you know, the nickname, the Monster Mile, the right. racing was so intense and crazy. And the last yep. few years, it's it's been so calm and there hasn't been a ton of passing. Right. And I think, again, that kind of relates to the package that we have, which is why so many people, myself included, I think are really looking forward to 2021 and hoping that this new car really makes a difference. But I'm anticipating Richmond, the place just like Dover, where you've seen a change in the action at those racetracks. I'm really hoping that we get that back with this change to the package. I'm hopeful for it and applaud NASCAR for listening because they said they weren't going to make changes and the races weren't what we wanted. And they instead said, you know what? We know it's going to cost money. We know it's only for the one year, but we can't have this. Right. So I applaud them for that. This is a change that I'm happy about going into 2020. The big change there to the short track package. Uh, I'm not really sure how I feel about this one, though. They're making some changes to the stage lengths. And, you know, the way it's been at pretty much every single racetrack, in fact, I think at every track that has three stages, so with the exception of the Coca-Cola 600, the first two stages are the same length. They're about half of the race, and then the last stage is the longest part of the uh, run. And I like the last stage being the longest part. I thought that that was a good way to do it. It finishes it. Yeah, and then, you know, at the end of the race, okay, now you've got to focus on a longer run. It's not going to be that short. This is when you get your... uh, Momentum going. And and you earn your money, really, because you've got the long run here where you've got to really buckle down and run this thing. NASCAR is going to try and switch it up to where the stage is a little more equal. Stage two is going to go further past halfway, which means that we are once again going to make the official uh, point of the race halfway in case the race is affected by weather, which, I mean, it's not a terrible thing because it, it does suck when a race is delayed yeah, to but another in, day. In, real, in, in all honesty, how many of our tracks truly do get delayed? I mean, it, it does happen. So it's a double-edged sword because right. you have people who are saying it, they want to see full races. Right. And now it's easier to not have a full race. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you're short, if you pass halfway but shorter stage two, and now we have to come back on Monday, it's such a pain. We might as well just end the race. We got half of it in. I'm not too disappointed on that change. Here's what I don't really understand. I don't really like. And, and frankly, I just think it's confusing as all hell. They are going to make it so that stage one and two are not always going to be the same length. For instance, um, Dover, stage one, 75 laps, stage two, 162, stage three, 163 laps. Richmond is going to be 80, 155, 165. Yeah, how are we going to keep up with that? It just makes it harder to follow. Right. I mean, that's like going to a hockey game. And they decide, you know what, we're going to change the lengths of all the periods, make them all different. It makes no sense. I mean, at least with the longer final stage, that's you know the second half of the it. race, right. you get it. Stage one and two makes up half the race, and then three, you got to go for the long run. It just makes no sense to me why you would think it's a good idea to make the stages different lengths. Even if you want it to go longer past halfway, well, make them the same length still. Right, divide Put it, it down evenly. the middle. <laughs> It makes no sense. I just, this is one of those things where the casual fan that NASCAR is trying to keep and make sure the sport is easy to follow, which sometimes NASCAR, I I think people can't get into NASCAR because it can be hard to follow. Mm -hmm. If you're just watching the race and you have no knowledge of strategy, rules, or anything. Well, that's the thing. When everybody jokes, it's just just left turns. It's like, no, there's really more behind it, but you don't understand all of what's behind it. Well, it's the same thing with me in football. I can't get into football, but I don't know any of the rules. Right. To me, it's just, all right, it stops too quickly, and if I sat down and learned the rules, I'd probably like the sport. It'd probably be more exciting. The same 
same thing goes for NASCAR. So when you make it more confusing. That doesn't help. <laughs> by saying, well, no, so the first part of this race is going to be 75 laps. Then we're going to go 162 laps. It's just stupid. I don't understand I that. So that's the change. Um, 16 races are going to have different length stages, and we don't know the differences yet on the road courses. They haven't changed that quite yet. There will be changes, just haven't been announced yet. I don't have a problem maybe switching up the lengths. I just think that it's just not a smart move the way they're doing but, it. But, and like, well, like you were saying, too, they're so drastically off. Like, it's not like a few laps. Okay, you can sort of know, like, 80 <laughs> and 85. Okay, it's somewhere in here, the last part of the stage. It's like another 40 laps later. You're well, wondering, I mean, like, okay, how much longer? Look at Dover. I mean, stage two is more than twice the length That's of stage I mean. one. There's no, it's not even, like, relatively near each other to be able to, like, okay, it's almost done. All you're doing is making it more confusing. And NASCAR said they even considered doing four stages at every race. I'm glad they didn't do that. We don't want to stop too much. <laughs> Honestly, I know that they did that for the Coke 600 because it's the longest race. I hate that. They should still make it. Longer stages is the longest race. And on top of that, the Coke 600 is now the most important race of the regular season because you can get 10 more points in that race than any other race. If you're going to make one event pay more points than any other, shouldn't it be the Daytona 500? I I, I just... Couple of things I don't sometimes get. Sometimes you just wonder where they are. Yeah, uh, some of <laughs> the decisions I like, other ones I just can't understand the decision behind. This is one of those I really just don't understand what they're trying yeah. to do here. Um, I'll tell you, you know, this is not a NASCAR change, and everybody I've talked to, while they don't want to question Roger Penske, I can understand why. Mm-hmm. He's, he's kind of good at this whole team. <laughs> he owner knows thing. what he's doing. Yeah, he's had a little bit of success, but everybody was kind of shocked by the crew chief swap. That they made during the offseason, especially, you know, I think one of the best combos, if not the best right now in NASCAR, Paul Wolf and Brad Keselowski. They're just so good as a team, and they have been. And now they switched Paul Wolf, and he's going to be Joey Logano's crew chief, which for Joey, I'm sure that's great because I think that's going to help him tremendously. I was kind of surprised to see that Brad Keselowski is now going to be working with Jeremy Bullins, who was Ryan Blaney's crew chief, Todd uh, Gordon. Who is with Joey Logano? He's going to be moving over, working with Ryan Blaney. I just don't see the reason for that. I can see for Ryan Blaney switching it up. They haven't been as good as the other two cars, but Todd Gordon and Joey Logano have always had a successful pairing. And, and Paul Wolf and Brad Keselowski, like I said, they're one of the best combos out there. I didn't see this one coming. Do I? I didn't see it coming either. But to me, do you think maybe because Penske fell off towards the end of last season a little bit, maybe he's like. Okay, other teams are getting their groove. You know, I have to I have to do something here. Not that it was like necessarily needed, but maybe he's just looking at the bigger picture that okay, they sort of dwindled out a little bit at the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, the second half of the playoffs, I can see. I mean, they did they didn't quite make what we were expecting out of them. And Joey right. Logano, he came close to making the final four, but let's not forget, I can't tell you what happened at Phoenix. He was running well. He was right up there with Kyle Bush, and then there was that one run of the race where they went from being in the top five to lapped in, right. in basically 30, 40 laps. I don't know what they did to that car, but it completely cost them a shot at the championship. So maybe there's something there, but it, it seems just so crazy to me that after running good for maybe 25 races— even if you had a, a poor run to the to the end of the season, that you would swap crew chiefs like that. 
I don't know what the decision process was there. Maybe he just thought, you know what, Ryan Blaney's not doing as well. Let's just switch everybody and see what happens. Well, I was wondering, too, maybe if he thinks, okay, we're a team, like we're as a whole, maybe everybody needs to be able to work with everybody. Like everybody needs to work with each other. Maybe he thinks that once you get practice with everybody, no matter the circumstance, you'll be in good hands because everybody sort of knows how to work with each other. Yeah, I I think this is going to be successful because – these are all great crew chiefs, and these are all great drivers. Right. Um, even, like, if he swapped Todd Gordon and Jeremy Bullins, I'd be like, okay, that, that kind of makes sense. You know, Joey Logano was a little bit off compared to Brad Keselowski, and they did have some decent moments in the season, but, they, you know, they definitely weren't at the level Brad Keselowski was. And then you think, okay, Ryan Blaney and Jeremy Bullins, decent. They got a couple of wins, but they're not exactly the team that's knocking it out of the park all the time. So I could see that. The Paul Wolf one was just the biggest surprise for me. Right. Um, He's got to go somewhere, As far somewhere, as crew swaps, yeah. <laughs> right. I, I, I kind of just expected Paul Wolf to stay with uh, Brad Keselowski, but I'm sure these will still be successful pairings. I'm just curious to see, especially for Brad Keselowski, how he's going to do with a different crew chief. You know, I think it's going to be interesting to see. Maybe that's the idea of this. So Sometimes it works. Yeah. You know, how many, I mean, we have seen them switch up crew chiefs, and right off the bat, some people end up being successful, so maybe that's what they're kind of hoping will happen. But um, one of the biggest storylines, I think, to watch as we kick off 2020 Paul Wolf with uh, Brad Keselowski and really all three of them being switched around and, and still the biggest crew chief news of the season or off season rather um, we touched on it during one of our off season podcasts but if you haven't heard what happened with Cole Pern this is just you know we talked last season how many times I never saw something coming Cole Pern retired and is moving to Canada to run a ski lodge such a totally different <laughs> this was a team that won the championship so recently and was in the final four and is just so competitive. Good and, yeah. Cole Pern and Martin Trex Jr. have won more races than any other driver crew chief combo in like the last four years. And now he's peace out. <laughs> he's like, all right, wiping my hands clean, let's go skiing. It actually, I mean, it sounds like kind of a peaceful life. He's gonna be managing a ski lodge out in Canada. Uh, he's I got guess it, the I money. guess he's keeping it in like the racing field. Maybe he's going to do like <laughs> ski races. Yeah, well, Jimmy know. Johnson can go out there and win another championship. Remember that? That was right. another weird story. Jimmy Johnson wins a championship in, in skiing over the offseason. I didn't know Jimmy Johnson I was a skier. I know Gordon has done... Gordon's done some ski trips. Maybe he'll make a visit. <laughs> Jeff Gordon was... Uh, I, I guess he's... If he keeps his word, if you watch the Super Bowl, he's got to come out of retirement. Did you see that clip? Listen. <laughs> I mean, it was Rubens Race and uh, Jeff Gordon on the pre-race with, was it uh, the Gronk? They, they went on the Norwegian Encore and they took on the go-kart Go, track yep, and yep. the loser was supposed to go out of retirement. And, and... Gronk did turn <laughs> Jeff in the final turn. So, I mean, he did kind of dump him. I wouldn't say Jeff Gordon got uh, beat heads up. Right. But, I, I I hey, you put, up a good, you put up a good fight. I'm happy you lost. Come on, Jeff. Let's get back on the track. I'd like to see that. Yeah, that would... You know how much news that would make? That'd be big. I think that Jeff Gordon uh, will, will say no to that. No. If I was a betting man. Put him in a truck at Martinsville. I know he said he always wanted to do that. I think that'd be fun. If we can get Dale Jr. and Jeff Gordon both truck oh, racing man. at Martinsville the same race, that'd be awesome. That would be crazy. Hey, hopefully. One day. Yeah, if you're listening. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, I'm sure Jeff Gordon is listening to this (laughs) podcast, obviously. He's got nothing better to do. Um, But please, come out of retirement just because we want to see you race. Yes. Get yourself (laughs) in a little nice truck. (laughs) Uh, Lead engineer for the team last year, Cole Pern's replacement, James Small, will be taking over the crew chief role at Martin Truex Jr.'s number 19 team. Curious to see, again, how that's going to be... 
um, how they're going to do, how that performance is going to be. You know, Martin Truex Jr. and and his crew chief combo with Cole Pern was fantastic. We're going to see how important Pern was to his success mm-hmm. when um, James Small comes in. And I think, you know, the one benefit to James Small is this was the lead engineer on the team. So he's been there for all of this. He's worked with Cole Pern. He's worked with the 19 crew and Martin Truex Jr. So it's not like he's coming in completely blind to the situation. He's got that experience. So hopefully that'll help James Small and uh, Martin Truex Jr. gel a little better right off the bat. Chevy's making changes this year, too. They're switching to the new Camaro ZL1 1LE in the sports uh, top series, the Cup Series, replacing the ZL1 Camaro that they were running. And, you know, Chevy, we, we talked about it a lot. Compared to Toyota, they're they're getting their butts kicked. Mm-hmm. They really are. And I, I'm curious to see if this change is going to be good. Because I hope they figured something out compared to last year. Yeah, on one hand, they're <laughs> doing this honest. to make changes to the aerodynamics and hopefully help. And, and yeah. they feel that this will help out. And, and GM is really investing in the motorsports operation. They just announced they're building a, what is it, 70,000 square foot facility in North Carolina um, to focus on uh, Chevy's motorsports department and GM as a whole. So I think that that's going to be great because they're trying to put a big investment into NASCAR. And on one hand, this this car is supposedly going to be changed to run better than the car they have now. I think the big noticeable change is the front is not quite as much of a point on the grill, and they think that might help them with the aerodynamic side of it. But at the same time, it's just like when Chevy switched to the Camaro before and the performance dropped off. Mm -hmm. It's new. This is the first time you're putting it on the track. There's going to be growing pain. So really not as bad, though, as last year. Flip a coin for Chevy. I I don't know what to expect. Either they're going to be so much better because they fixed their issues, or they're going to come out with growing pains again, and it's going to be another struggle before we get to the gen you know next generation car in twenty twenty one. So Chevy's making a change, and I hope for their sake it makes them better. You know they weren't quite as bad this past season as they were the year before, but you know we talked about at the beginning of the season Chase Elliott getting to um, Talladega and getting that win. Mm-hmm. It it took a while. For Chevy to get to victory lane, and they did not win a lot over the last few seasons. Right. Go Fast Racing, uh, Corey LaJoy going to be staying with them as well. Another big storyline, they're partnering up with Stuart Haas Racing. We've seen what those partnerships can do with, especially Furniture Row, before they departed the sport, and Joe Gibbs becoming a championship-caliber organization. Um, I don't think that this is the same level of a partnership, but Go Fast may be going to be able to have a little bit of improvement here with uh, that technical alliance. Hopefully that helps them out. Um, and really, that's some of the big stories going into 2020. And another one, though, that is possibly one of the biggest is not even in the Cup Series. And this is the one that brought on the most debate. It's this pit stop procedural change for Xfinity and truck. And it's not for every race. But NASCAR had talked about dropping the live pit stops. And right away, I mean, I went on a rant about this. I thought that was the dumbest idea ever because it's so important to the sport, having these pit stops, being fast at what you're doing and strategizing differently with them. I think that's such an important element. You can never take that away from the NASCAR Cup Series. Now, there are going to be some races now without live pit stops. And we've seen that at Eldora, you know, because the pit road just can't, it's not suitable for a full field of cars. And I understand that one. It's a unique race. We're on dirt. You have the stage brakes set a certain way. I get that. This is kind of similar with different strategical aspects to it. So as we get ready to run these particular races in Xfinity, it's going to be the Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course race, both Iowa races and Road America. The trucks will do this at Iowa as well. Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway and Canadian Tire Motorsport Park are the tracks that we're going to be seeing this. So 
the entire crew that's coming to the track will be a maximum of eight crew members. That's it. And it does, and they're going to be the over-the-wall guys and the guys behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is to try and cut down costs. Because a lot of times when we go to these uh, companion races with the Cup Series, they'll have teams from Flying the Cup Series. Well, they'll use the Cup guys right. to do the Xfinity and truck service. And it's expensive for these teams when you're not making nearly as much money as you are in Cup to get these full crews out there for these standalone races. I get that aspect. It's a game changer financially. For the competition perspective, this is where people are getting a little bit bothered. Mm -hmm. When the caution comes out, as always, the field is frozen. We know that. That's the standard rule. But when they come down pit road, there will not be any change of position. You have a designated amount of time to complete your pit stop. Now, here's where they were able to keep strategy in it. Because if that's the case, take four every time, fill up the car, you got plenty of time. Here's the difference in strategy. And there's two different sets of this. We start on the oval tracks. During a yellow flag cycle... You may change two tires and add fuel, but you cannot change four tires. So if on one one lap, yeah, you can't come down pit road. Right. Put your put in fuel and change four tires. You can either change four tires or add fuel. And if you need to do both, what you have to do is pit twice. So this which is which is so. I, this I, I can I can see you're already like. <laughs> You're, you're ready to rant. I don't watch what I say. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me finish it up here. Where, where they keep the strategy aspect is, if you stay out, now you are going to be in front of the guys that pit. If you want the four tires and have to pit twice, now you're behind the guys that pit one time. That's how they were able to maintain a strategy aspect and not take it completely out of it. Because now you're deciding, okay, if I want two tires, I'll be at disadvantage, but I'm going to be ahead of everybody that wants to take four tires. If I stay out, I'm good right here, you know? Yeah, I'm until everybody else laps you with new tires. That's the trade-off. <laughs> right. What do you do? And that's where they're trying to throw the strategy aspect in. As far as the road courses go, four tires or fuel. So, again, if you want fuel and tires, you have to do the two-pit stop strategy on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you violate in any way, shape, or form, it's a two-lap penalty to make sure that people don't, you know, they, they made it pretty harsh so that people don't take advantage. There are no immediate plans to expand this to any other races or the Cup Series in 2021 and beyond. That's the happiest thing that I've read about it. Mm-hmm. First and foremost, your reaction to this? Bogus. You hate it. <laughs> I don't under... You're telling me that it makes a difference if I take one lap for two tires, go around the track, <laughs> and get another... What the heck is that? <laughs> Come on. Get the four tires in one, in one pit and move on. Yeah, you what know... What is that one lap make... Come on. They, they threw it in there because... They ha- they're cutting regular pit stops, and they, they're trying to add a strategy aspect. They're trying to find a way, okay, how can we cut pit stops and not destroy the strategy aspect of the race? And it, it's an interesting way to do it. And frankly, I don't like this at middle. I don't like it at any of these racetracks. I don't. Now, we talk about how people want old NASCAR back. Especially for these series, you look at the the old days of the truck series, uh, South Boston Speedway on there, I-70 Speedway, mm-hmm. all these racetracks that are these real short tracks. And I would love to see for the truck series and the Xfinity series to go to some of those. But at those racetracks, there isn't a suitable pit road. Then I get it. If you can't have a suitable pit road, but we have these awesome short tracks, okay, I get it. But there's suitable pit roads at Iowa, Mid-Ohio, all these racetracks, because we've used them before. They're designed for live pit stops. And I get they're trying to cut the costs. 
and I don't mind honestly their strategy setup. I don't mind we the doing... cutting cost as strategy if it means we're still going to have NASCAR. Now, if it has to go from live pit stops to no live or else no NASCAR, then okay, get rid of live because I still want NASCAR. Yeah, but I, I, my thing with it is. I don't honestly mind when I read the thing about, okay, you have to do different, you know, you are limited on pit stops because you have to say the crew chief, what do I do? I don't like it, though, at racetracks where we don't need it. And I get it. They're cutting costs. I can say that as much as I want. I know a lot of teams have come out and said, look, this is great for the costs at least. Right. But as a fan, I, I don't like it unless we need to do it. That's at Eldora, what I mean. If it's going to be a debating factor on one or the other, then okay. At Eldora... I get it. Right. If we went to Irwindale Event Center or South Boston Speedway, that's fine. And I like the wrinkle thrown in to make a strategy aspect. I just don't want to see this on racetracks where we don't need to do it. And it'll be interesting to see. You know, a lot of teams are saying, look, I understand that it doesn't sound great to you, but it's a game changer for the health of Xfinity and, and truck competition. And at the end of the day, like you said, we, we need to make sure that these teams can survive. Right. But it's also an expensive sport. And if you can't afford to pit your car... What are you doing here? This might not be the business for you. Right. I'm not trying to, like, lowball on the low guys, but yeah. come on. They're sponsors. There's, you can do a little bit. <laughs> I don't want to pile on them, you know? And I know right. that it's not easy to come across sponsorship right now, even in Cup, let alone the lower divisions. But where does it end? Right. We'll see. I'm curious. You know, look, just like some of the package stuff we said last year, I guess until we actually see it. It's I'm tough sure to judge once it. we see it, it's going to make sense. But r- trying to read it and comprehend what's happening, it doesn't sound like anything. Yeah, it just, it's so foreign, I guess. Right. The idea to see this on the national level because it's been so long. I mean, heck, in my days of watching NASCAR, we didn't have this. But But you're basically, like you said, strategizing, but you're also limiting them. Like, how are you going to tell me the car... I have to take two tires or else I get penalized. Like, no, my car needs four tires. Okay, it's the strategy. But, like, if something's broken, you need to just fix it. Don't try to, like, patch it and then have to, like, what? why? Just fix it and keep <laughs> moving. Like, what? I feel like they're just. Yeah, and, you know, the other thing that this eliminates, you know, uh, completely. Green flag pit stops at these races. Right. Because they don't have pit crews to do them. And NASCAR, you know, look, if you have a flat tire, you're not going to get a penalty under green. But you have to have an approved reason to come to pit road. You can't just say, okay, I want to pit before this stage end so I can stay out and get tires. So it's another whole wrinkle into it. And people don't like change. See, and I'm also <laughs> wondering about the crew chief competition, how this is going to go. Because yeah. it's, again, it's NASCAR putting rules in front of you and you can only do what they're telling you to do rather than, okay, you know, your crew chief and you are going to discuss what needs to be done and you're going to make it work based on your guys' opinion, not it, it, what NASCAR's telling you you have to do. You're in a box right. with NASCAR's rules. And like I said, there's still a strategy element. It's completely foreign to what we have been doing for so many years. For a crew chief, you have to make the decision, okay, do I want to have the best tires or do I want the track position? And then, you know, how many people are going to decide that? Right. It's very different. And I'm intrigued by the strategy. I'm not going to lie. I'm just not so sure that I'm excited for the idea of cutting live pit stops, even though if we go back to the excitement of small short tracks like South Boston, you are going to still have the um, 
you know, the pit stops like that because you just can't do live pit stops. So in NASCAR's heritage, this is the way it was without, I guess, the the full rules. I mean, back then it was a halfway break. Mm-hmm. You had a 10 minute break to fix up your car. So who knows what it's going to be. But um, that is one of the things we're definitely going to see the first time we'll get a look at it uh, right at the end of May after the Coca-Cola 600 weekend. Uh, the cu- or the uh, trucks Xfinity series is going to be at mid Ohio. And then we're going to see quite a few over the summer of those happening. So, uh, uh, we'll get a look at it in a couple of months, and I'm curious mostly to see the fan reaction. I mean... Come on, let's be real NASCAR fans. <laughs> they don't like good ideas, so... <laughs> yeah, imagine how this one's going to go over. Let's talk Daytona 500, all right? Let's, let's get away from all the controversy. <laughs> um, we'll start before the season goes. You know, a lot of driver changes this year. Th- that's one of the big topics that we have coming up. Here are the, the major ones that we're looking at. Chris Buescher from the 37 at uh, JTD Daughtry Racing to the 17 at uh, Roush Fenway Racing. You know, he won a championship in the Xfinity Series for Roush. So kind of like he's coming home here and rejoined the organization. And Stenhouse is swapping to the 47 car, um, which is basically a direct swap with Chris Buescher from the 17. So they're going to swap the number 47 car for Ricky Stenhouse Jr. And Ryan Priest moves to the other team car, the number 37. He was in the 47 last year. The change I'm really excited for is Matt Benedetto from the 95 uh, Levine family racing to the 21, the Wood Brothers team, which has the Penske affiliation. We mm-hmm. saw how close Matt came to winning at Bristol. I mean, that was heartbreaking. I, They were going crazy for Matt Benedetto. He he was it, it sounded like Dale Earnhardt Jr. won that race right. when he was interviewed finishing second. That's how much the people loved him. Even Denny Hamlin in his a interview. Great year. I have a feeling. I think Matt Benedetto goes to victory lane. Yeah, he's going to have a good year. I think he does. You know, and the 21 has won. In recent memory, I mean, remember Ryan Blaney won a race at Pocono with that car. And that, we're not talking just some plate race where he got up front, you know, like, I mean, not to discredit Trevor Bain's Daytona 500, fantastic win, but it's the Daytona 500. You know, it's a crapshoot. Anybody can win. Mm-hmm. Let's be real. Right. Um, as far as Matt Benedetto, I see him winning this season. I'm so excited for him behind the car. That's my favorite change, the change I'm watching the most. Um, we also will have Daniel Hemrick, who's Rookie of the Year and is not in the Cup Series. He lost his ride with the number eight and is dropped down to a part-time Xfinity ride. Um, Daniel Suarez to the 96, Gaunt Brothers Racing. This was something we watched all offseason. And I compare him to Daniel Hemrick because Hemrick made the decision to go Xfinity Racing with a good ride instead of taking an underfunded ride that he can't perform in. Daniel Suarez could have run for the number two team, Richard Childress Racing in Xfinity, the defending champion team. huge team. team. <laughs> I mean, and look, I get it. If you're a cup driver, it's got to be a blow to the ego to drop down to Xfinity. I mean, that's going from the major leagues to double A or whatever the, the next level down is in, in the MLB. Yeah, but race or no race. Here's the thing. <laughs> How many times have we talked about drivers that maybe come into the Cup Series too soon, don't perform, and then they end up with a team where they can't win and their career ends because nobody's looking at them? Yep, no race. (laughs) Now, if you drop to Xfinity and you go out there and you start kicking ass again, eventually a Cup team's going to look at you and give you that second shot. Mm -hmm. I really do believe that. The 96 car, no offense to Gaunt Brothers, they're not going to run well. They haven't run well. They don't have the funding to run well. And to me, I think that was a terrible decision for Daniel Suarez's career. And I mean, look, you know, I'm, I don't know what the decision process was behind the scenes. You know, Daniel obviously knows his situation and his decision process. Looking at it from the outside, though, I feel like that could be the move that ends Daniel Suarez's career without having success. And that's a bold statement. I get it. But it's, it's 110% accurate. 
I don't think I'm going out on that much of a limb. No, we've seen, like you said, we've seen that so many times. It just makes you think like, oh, it's going to happen again. I, 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 Xfinity was the right move. It really was. I just don't get the decision. Uh, he must know something I don't. Because I am worried that we will never get to see the full potential of Daniel Suarez, who was an Xfinity Series champion. And I felt had the opportunity to really run well. You know, he didn't get much of a chance over at Stuart Haas, and he didn't live up to expectations at Joe Gibbs Racing. And I think that has a lot to do with Carl Edwards. Keep in mind, Edwards just dived out with no notice and retired. And the next thing you know, they need somebody for that ride. All right, Daniel, you're going in there. We keep talking about how I think you need two years in each series at least, which is why I'm excited for the Rookie of the Year battle this year because we have such experienced rookie drivers from Xfinity coming in, Mm -hmm. and I think this is the best rookie class we've had in a while and the most successful group of drivers that we're going to see in the Cup Series that have moved up in recent memory. I really believe that. I don't think that Daniel Suarez is in a good position now that he's with Gaunt Brothers. He's got a lot to prove. Well, he just he has to find his way back to a major team. Yeah. And That's it's what a lot I mean. tougher. And you got to prove your way up now. It's a lot harder to yeah. prove yourself when you're running for a team that doesn't have the funding of a Richard Childress Racing, even in Cup. When you could have taken home possibly the champ in Xfinity, your on, second Xfinity title. Right. And, and racked up all that and then like you said, gone right to an awesome team. You ran there. If he went back there, ran for 3 years. Somebody and would ran be all well. Over that Eventually, when a seat opens up, somebody would say, "You know, Daniel right. Suarez. He's got more experience now. He's running well. Let's give him a shot in a Cup car again." Yeah, I and, don't get it. And possibly, well, probably with a so much more higher up team. He wouldn't be with Gaunt Brothers right. if that situation played out. And honestly, I'd rather be in Xfinity and successful than be in Cup and be a backmarker. It's just I, it's depressing. Why would you want to go to Cup and lose your job in possibly two years or something like that? You think you would want that cushion of knowing I'm good in the Xfinity, they're going to keep me, and then I can move up even higher. I, I couldn't agree I, more. Right. We'll see what happens. Daniel Suarez, the number 96 for Gaunt Brothers Racing, and he uh, is eligible to run in the Bush Clash this weekend, but the team, you know, again, those have the most funding. This was kind of last minute. They worked a lot, long time during the offseason to get this put together. Um, they have decided to forego uh, Sunday's Bush Clash uh, non-points race and focus on the Daytona 500 um, hmm. with the 96 team. Talked Rookie of the Year briefly there, and I want to make sure we put a focus on this. Christopher Bell, uh, the number 20 car in the Xfinity Series. He will be driving the Levine Family Racing's number 95 with the Joe Gibbs Racing Partnership. Colt Custer, he's taken over Daniel Suarez's ride. Stuart Haas Racing's number 41, a very competitive car. Tyler Reddick, who was driving that two Xfinity car, moved up, took Daniel Suarez's ride in the number 8. And John Hunter Nemechek is getting the opportunity to go cup racing. Not quite as uh, prestigious as a ride as the other guys have, but the number 38 with uh, front, uh, front row racing. Uh, is going to be his position um, after he was fairly impressive covering for Matt Tift in that car at the end of last year with uh, Matt Tift having that seizure at Martinsville, having to sit out for the remainder of the year. So when I look at this rookie class, I wholeheartedly believe, and it hasn't happened in a few years since Chris Buescher won Pocono in that weird fog race, (laughs) I think a rookie's going to win this year. I really do. And I, you know, it's funny. I, I spoke to um, Shannon Spake, you know, before the Super Bowl, and she said that she doesn't see that happening because it's just such a big jump from Xfinity to Cup. But I look especially at Cole Custer in the 41 because we're talking Stuart Haas Racing and Cole Custer. Bell, I, you know, the 95 car almost won a few races last year. Now they got a Gibbs partnership. I think they're going to be the next Furniture Row. 
Bell's going to be really good. Tyler Reddick, I'm not as sure about just because Richard Childress' cup operation has not quite been there. I think, though, at least one of these guys is going to get their first win in their first season. What do you think, Kristen? I don't know. No, I, I, I don't think so. I you think, think that so. they're going to get the experience they need to maybe sit on it and work around and maybe next year be able to, okay, this is what I'm up against. I got this. But we got huge names in Cup that not that I'm comparing them, but they're going to be in the same race. So I guess you have to that I feel like have so much more cup experience that they're probably going to get overridden. Yeah, I think that's the same argument a lot of people have as to why it won't happen. Because, you know, we look, we see guys come from, you know, the lower divisions into truck. All of a sudden they went off the bat, they're great. They do it in Xfinity. They went off the bat, they're great. This is a drastic jump like you were saying. It's a much bigger change to the cup series. But when you look at the rookie classes from the previous year's These are the guys that we have watched for years in the lower divisions, and they have dominated. I mean, Christopher Bell, Cole Custer, Tyler Reddick, those three combined to win more than half of the races in Xfinity last season. I think that this is one of the best classes since the days of Jimmy Johnson and Ryan Newman out there. And, you know, think about Jimmy Johnson, Ryan Newman. They won in their first season. They did. You know, a a lot of guys were able to pull that off when we had the guys that were dominant in this sport come through. Kyle Busch, he won his first season. You know, uh, Denny Hamlin won in his first season. I think this kind of a rookie class could be on that level because I think these drivers are going to be the guys we're talking about in a couple of years that are at the level of a Brad Keselowski and a Kyle Busch as far as consistent competitiveness. You know, at the end of their career, do I know if these guys are going to be on the level of Kyle Busch? I don't know about that. It's too soon to tell. But I definitely see these guys being championship contenders and consistent winners in the Cup Series. I'm also curious to see if they're going to actually dive in for it. I mean, you would hope they would, or if they're going to like just get their feet wet and sort of, like I said, tinker with what they have to play with and then jump in it next year once they know, all right, game on now. It's a nerve-wracking place to be as right. a rookie because right. you come into the series and... You, and you, you know, don't want to be hot-headed. You don't, you don't yeah. All that, you don't want to come off you know, khaki and all that, so where everybody's like, oh, get this dude off the track. Like, put him in the wall. There's so many different elements of it because first and foremost, you don't want to come up and wreck cars. Right. You want to be conservative. You want to finish races. And that's what they always say about rookies. You got to get the experience and finish races. You don't want to be used up by other drivers, but you also want to be respected. So you don't want to... Make your name. Yeah. yeah, Well, to get respect, you have to stand up for yourself. But then at the same time, like you said, you don't want to be a guy that pisses everybody off and then puts them in a position where you have no respect on that side of it. So it's difficult. The good news is some of the major drivers they've run against in Cup Comp or Xfinity competition when they've come down there, your Kyle Bushes, your Kevin Harvicks, they've run against these guys and they've had experience. And in some cases, they've beat them. You know, what was it? Uh, is it Auto Club, I think, which was a racetrack that had been dominated by Cup drivers for so many years in a row. Cole Custer, I believe, beat Kyle Bush this year. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is the mark of someone who's ready. When you beat Kyle Busch, and it wasn't a situation where Kyle Busch had blown a tire at some point in the race or got a speeding penalty and just couldn't get back to the front. So I really, I'm sticking to it. This year, at least one of those drivers will win in the Cup Series at some point. I mean, I I would love to see it. Do I think it, well, I don't know. Yeah, you're a little more skeptical yeah. on that one. All right. Well, I feel you know, like just up against Kyle well, you know, and everybody. For anybody who's listened to this show through all of 2019, you know how good I am predicting things. I mean, everything <laughs> I say comes true. I'm a lot better at it. Let's just say that. <laughs> just kidding. Better 
Okay, getting one right when I get nothing right doesn't make you really all that much better. Listen. <laughs> My championship four picks may have been terrible. But then again, everything, I mean, Roger Penske bought Indy, everything Indy. Listen, Sids. <laughs> Cole Pern is just went to be a nomad in Canada. I mean, who could have seen this stuff coming? And I almost cursed there because I'm so, like, shocked by all this. Um, and let's talk now, uh, move on for some of that stuff. Uh, uh, Daytona 500 odds came out already. It's got to be tough to pull the odds for the Daytona 500, especially before anybody's been on track. I mean, it's got to be tough to do it before this the 500. It's got to be tough to do it with 10 anything. to go. <laughs> I mean, remember last year's Daytona 500, what, in the last 10 laps, we had 37 cars running, yeah. and at the finish, there was like nine. It's it's really tough to determine what the hell is going to happen at the end of these things. Um, but... Let's see what you think. The The drivers with the best odds, 10 to 1 odds, Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski, Chase Elliott, and Denny Hamlin. Hmm. Brad Keselowski on the list is no shock. Keselowski right. is the best plate driver, hands down, that I we have like right now. I feel like none of those are really that big of a shock. No, I mean, look, Joey Logano it's is a Daytona like 500 champ. It's not threw Jimmy Johnson in there, who hasn't been performing. Yeah, well, I mean, look at it right here. Chase Elliott. He won at Talladega last year, so he can plate race. And we've seen Chase Elliott is an impressive plate racer, just hasn't had the luck to go with it. Denny Hamlin, two-time 500 champion, and he's the defending champion, so it's kind of tough to say that he doesn't have 10 to 1 odds. Joey Logano, 2015 champ. Brad Keselowski has won multiple races at Daytona. He's a five-time Talladega winner. I get that. Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick at 14 to 1 odds. Those two are pretty good. They got good odds to win every single time we go to the racetrack. Kevin Harvick is a 500 champion, and he's got plenty of plate wins. He's run very competitive. I think that those are good odds as well. Matty D's got 20 to 1 odds, and I'm happy to see that he's got good odds because keep in mind, this is the guy that led the most laps in the Daytona 500. This is where everybody was like, holy crap, Matt DiBenedetto. Who is this dude? (laughs) Who is that? I mean, uh, still one of my favorite things that he has is he's got Matt uh, DiBurrito above his door because nobody can figure out his name. People keep calling him DiBurrito, which... It's kind of an awesome last name. I dig it. <laughs> Sounds delicious. <laughs> 30 to 1 odds on Jimmy Johnson, Cole Custer, for, uh, Cole Custer, and Christopher Bell. So, you know, Jimmy Johnson at 30 to 1. I mean, those aren't fantastic odds. And I found it interesting that two of those rookies we just talked about have the same odds right now in Las Vegas as Jimmy as Johnson to win the Daytona 500. I mean, seven-time champion, two-time yeah. Daytona 500 champion. But, we, you know, look, we saw what... Jimmy Johnson's performance has been, and it's his last season, and I know we're all hoping that he gets to victory lane, and I'll tell you, you want to talk about my bold prediction, Shannon Spake said that Jimmy Johnson's going to win the Daytona 500. And if there is a race he can win, it's going to be a plate race. We know that. Right. But... You can't, to me, you can't pick anybody (laughs) to win the Daytona 500, because like you said earlier, it is a crapshoot. I mean, let's not forget Austin Dillon <laughs> won the Daytona 500 two years ago. Who the hell saw that coming? And I mean, that was controversial because, you know, he he turned Eric Amarola down the backstretch, head onto the wall, who was leading, and then went on to win the race. Granted, it wasn't, I mean, I, I'll stand against saying that was intentional. I will never waver on that. There was not an intentional accident. That's a bump draft gone wrong. It really is. Mm-hmm. It might be tough to tell sometimes if you don't follow NASCAR as religiously as you and I do. But that was not an intentional incident. Either way, nobody saw that coming. And something tells me that nobody predicted Trevor Bain winning the 2011 yeah, Daytona 500 was, yeah. in his second race ever on his 20th, the day after his 20th birthday. Right. It's a little unpredictable. Now, I got to be honest with you. I, I don't, I have a rule when it comes to gambling. 
I'll only gamble on cruise ships because I learned from gambling on cruise ships that I don't do very well at stopping. I have a $75 budget. Next thing you know, it's like, all right, what's another $100? (laughs) What's another $100? I want to keep playing. I won $500 the first time I played blackjack. And And how much did you spend? 60. Oh, all right. Like, I came out great. So I'm like, (laughs) I got beginner's luck and I thought this was great. I went on the next cruise. I might as well have just given it all back because I'm pretty sure I did. Oh, my God. Yeah, it didn't go well. So I might be willing to break my onshore gambling streak, though, with this. Ross Chastain's running the Daytona 500, and he's running for Spire Motorsports, which that's the 77 car. If you remember, Justin Haley got what might have been the biggest fluke victory in history at Daytona in the July race last year. And if you don't remember that, the caution flag was out. And, and, you know, when lightning strikes, you have to go into a 30 minute hold until there's no lightning. 30 minutes free because, you know, it's dangerous. You got these grandstands here, people getting hit by lightning. I mean, it happened. They made the mistake at Pocono, and we had people pass away from lightning. And NASCAR is very conscious of it now, which I applaud, because mm-hmm. you have to be. As much as it sucks sitting there and having a lightning bolt 28 minutes in and then waiting for two hours of lightning and then the rain comes and ruins it, safety comes first. NASCAR says we're going to go one to the green. Kurt Busch pits because he was waiting it out and half a lap for the green, lightning, and the 77 happened to stay out. And they end up winning the race. I mean, Kurt Busch was furious, and I can see why, even though you can't really blame NASCAR. But they got that victory. They're the defending Daytona winner, Spire Motorsports. Well, Spire has partnered up like they did with McMurray last year and Chip Ganassi Racing. They are repartnered with Chip Ganassi. So the 77 car with Avent Health as a sponsor is going to be driven as a Chip Ganassi-funded car by Ross Chastain, the Daytona 500. I think Ross Chastain can win that race. Let's not forget, he won Daytona in the um, Xfinity race, in the July race. And Chip Ganassi Racing, that's going to be a good car, let alone the fact that it's a crapshoot. Mm-hmm. He's also going to run that car in the Coca-Cola 600, two starts this year. Do you know what the odds are, though, for Ross Chastain to win the Daytona 500? 200 to 1. So is that who you're betting? <laughs> I mean, look, if I, I... Is that what you're getting at? I could spend $20... Like, I'm buying a pizza. Yeah. Just throw it away. Be like, all right, you know what? It's just a 20. And if some miracle happens and he wins that race, I'll pocket four grand. And if I don't, I only lost $20. I mean, it's 200. Right. I don't know. Maybe I don't understand gambling, but isn't 200 to 1 basically mean that whatever I put, if he wins, I get 200 times the money? Isn't that what that means when you have the odds like that? For every dollar, it's 200. Oh, I think so, yeah. So, I mean, like I said, if you put, yeah. heck, I, if I had more money, I'd put 100 bucks on and just say, screw it, because I just, that would be so nice. I think those odds, that, too, are going to change by the time we do practice in the dual races. Oh, of course. Yeah, because then they're going to be able to see how well he's going to run. Right. I mean, not to mention, I mean, granted, the aggressiveness definitely cost him and caused a huge wreck in the truck race at Talladega. But, I mean, he, he was very good in that race, too. He, he's got a knack for plate racing. 200 to 1 odds. You know what? Uh, if is you ever watched, two, now I'm wondering: <laughs> is it 200 people for every one person? Well, no, no, is no. That? So if I bet anything, then the 200 it's 200 times what you bet if he wins. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? So I okay, but hmm. you know what was it? Um, if you watch The Office, <laughs> I, I'm going to live go. by. <laughs> I love the show, but I'm going to live by the words of Kevin Malone. If somebody gives you a hundred to one odds on anything, you always take it. Because, yeah. and you really shouldn't take Kevin Malone's advice. If you do watch The Office, you'll know why. But I, I like that but idea. But is going to take his advice. <laughs> I'm going to take his advice. I will. 
And I think I'm going to go ahead and try and bet on Ross Chastain with the Daytona 500. Question, though. What if you... we split it? Okay, but, you know, if we do that, <laughs> I think we need to each put 20. Because if we put 40 in, oh, and I then he wins, then, I mean, we're doubling it. That's eight grand now. <laughs> I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, you know what? We're doing We're this. getting ahead of ourselves. We're going to pool. You know what? Pool the money. 25 each. This is why I can't gamble on land because the number Wait, keeps going up. Wait, 25 each? Well, I mean, you that's just 10 grand 20. now. <laughs> 10 grand now. You just went from 20. Once again, there's a reason why I don't right. gamble. Yeah. You I went. have a problem. <laughs> I'm doing it. Here I'm I betting. went opening my big mouth. <laughs> Maybe I'll just put 50 myself. <laughs> oh, no. Here we go. I'm going to take a loan. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, so, house uh, payment. <laughs> I don't own a house to take a second mortgage on. Can I take a second mortgage on my mother's house? You think she'd be mad about that? Oh, God. <laughs> Those are the odds to win the Daytona 500. And, you know, we got that 77 car out there. Ross Chastain making the one off. Uh, David Reagan postponed his retirement. One more race. Uh, Rick Ware Racing is going to be, uh, I believe it's a 36 car this time around. They're going to be putting that car out there for one race for David Reagan, who, I mean, Reagan's got two career wins. One at Daytona, one at Talladega. So... I wouldn't count David Reagan out under any mm-hmm. circumstance while we're there. And then uh, before we even get to that, we got to qualify for this thing. Daytona 500, I mean, when you win the pole for the 500, it's kind of like a double-edged sword again. Because you got a whole week where you're on the pole. It's great. But if you but wreck keep it. <laughs> if you wreck before the duel race, right. you have to start at the back because you already qualified. Whereas everybody else just has to start at the back of the duel and gets a chance to come up and re-qualify. You are screwed if you're on the front mm-hmm. row. Um, but... I'm curious what you think of this. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Hendrick Motorsports is going to win the poll. And by limb, I'm being incredibly sarcastic. <laughs> Very large. They have won five straight polls at Daytona, dating back to Jeff Gordon's last year running, 2015. And they happen to do that at Talladega almost every time, too. They are so good at, at qualifying at these plate races. I would be willing to bet money. But clearly. do you think with the new Camaro? I think they're still going to do it because they did it with the crappy Camaro. <laughs> right. I'm just I'm just giving opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I think I I would be surprised if Hendrick doesn't win it. Hmm. I think for sure. And at very least on the front row. But it, it the pole sitter for this race is either going to be William Byron, Jimmy Johnson, um, Chase Elliott or Alex Bowman. That's not a far stretch. It's not. It's not nearly as far of a stretch as saying a rookie's going to win or Ross right. Chastain's going to make me ten grand on a, <laughs> a less than two bucks. weeks from now. <laughs> Until we'll talk about we'll talk about that off air because I don't you know fifty might not be enough. <laughs> oh, somebody help me, <laughs> please. <laughs> so give us. A I, I think. <laughs> People, I'm telling you. If, if anybody you, has spare money. <laughs> get in on this. Because what is, even like I said, $10. What's 10 bucks? Just just say, you know what? I didn't have it. 10 bucks. You spend it at a fast food place sometimes. 10 right. bucks. A- and if he wins, you'll be happy as a pig and you know what. Yeah. Um, all right. But before we even qualify, or actually after we qualify, it's, it's a fun day on Sunday to open up the season because we got the ARCA race that starts everything Saturday, 4.30 p.m. FS1, the Lucas Oil 200. Uh, noon on Fox Sunday, we're going to be qualifying for the Daytona 500 uh, front row and setting the rest of the running order for Thursday's Blue Green Vacation dual races. And then coming up on uh, 3 p.m. on Sunday, FS1's got coverage of the Bush Clash. I love the name. Back to the classic original name. And we have 18 drivers that'll be running 20 eligible 18 they're going to be in the race. Here is how you are eligible 
for the 2019 running of the Bush Clash. As usual, the poll award winners from 2019 automatically in the race. Uh, if you've ever won the Bush Clash and you ran full-time in 2019, you're eligible as well. Daytona 500 champions who competed full-time in 2019, as well as Daytona 500 poll winners under the same criteria, um, will be allowed. And uh, if you made the playoffs in 2019 and didn't meet any of those other requirements you will also be able to run the race it's 75 laps 25 for the first segment 50 for the second segment which has pretty much been the standard for the last 10 years or so right here are your drivers a lot of big names pretty much are going to be in this race kurt bush brad keselowski austin dillon kevin harvick ryan newman chase elliott eric amarola denny hamlin ryan blaney clint boyer kyle bush martin truex jr eric jones joey logano william byron kyle larson jimmy johnson alex bowman the other two eligible drivers that are not going to be in the race daniel hemrick and daniel suarez hemrick of course going to be in the xfinity series and suarez and gaunt brothers racing choosing to focus on the daytona 500 and not bringing a second car down to focus on the uh, 75 lap uh you know um non-points race so qualifying for this race also different. I I used to love when they did it on Fox where they had remember they set up a bar for the Budweiser shootout and they'd interview yep. him and then you had to pick the uh the Budweiser bottle to see what um what spot Ew. you got. That yeah. was so much fun. I used to love that show. Uh they called Clint Boyer out and he wasn't coming out cuz he he wasn't paying attention. He was eating chicken wings, which is why I love Clint Boyer. Who else has got to go out for a live interview <laughs> and to get their starting spot for the damn race? And they almost miss it because they're too busy eating chicken wings. Clint Boyer is just the epitome of a NASCAR driver slash fan. He's amazing. Yeah. Um, so, yes, the clash coming up this weekend. Uh, eligibility pretty much the same. That's going to be your starting lineup for everything. Excited for that race as always. And, you know, I got to say, I, I'm kind of wondering, I kind of want to go to the clash this year. The tickets are so cheap and it's kind of a low attended race. It's 55 bucks for general admission. And you just sit wherever. Yeah, and most of the seats are open. Right. You know, because they don't have much reserved seating. I mean, if you ever wanted to go just tech, test the waters on NASCAR, go on Sunday because you start out noon with the 500 qualifying. Then you've got a short race at three and you come back the same night. And I mean, the attendance for a hundred something thousand seat facility is going to be, you know, not even a quarter of that. Yeah. So. It really is. It's a chill event, and 55 bucks. I'm still trying to debate whether or not I'm going to go up there this weekend. I think it's going to be a really good show. Um, Clash, 3 p.m., FS1. You can catch all that action. And coming up on the Saturday before, we just touched on it, we got the uh, ARCA race, Lucas Oil 200 season opener. Um, and, and I know the one everybody's talking about, Haley Deegan. Mm-hmm. She has been impressive. Multiple wins in the K&N Pro Series West, which is now the ARCA Menard Series West. Um, and... She did something that nobody's been able to do. She didn't win the championship, but she was in contention. She definitely took to the motto rubbings racing because there was a yeah. lot of fender banging and incidents toward the end of these races. Which, I mean, look, at, if you're one of those guys that sits there wearing your Dale Earnhardt shirt and then complaining about dirty driving, All right. you need to check yourself. Right. Haley Deegan, though, uh, is going to be making the move. Again, I like the way she's doing this to ARCA. Not going Xfinity racing, not going truck She's racing full time. one step up. And taking her time yep. because she was in, I believe it was two years, if not full time the previous year, but she definitely spent part of 2018 and full 2019 in K&N. Now she's going to be in ARCA, her debut or at Daytona here mm -hmm. for the 2020 season. And I can't wait to see what she's going to do. Number four car, she's moved over to DGR Crosley Racing, who, you know, has teams in the truck series, and she switched from Toyota to Ford Development. Um, and, and I'm really excited for Daytona. I mean, you want to talk about it. For every driver, it's a different animal 
when you tackle a restricted plate track, even though they're not yeah. really restricted plate tracks anymore, but a pack track like that um, at Daytona, that, that's mm-hmm. a big deal. So I'm excited to see that race. Uh, Natalie Decker is going to be giving it a shot as well. She's going to be part-time in the number 44. Uh, niece is uh, hired her. And uh, Angela uh, Ruck um, is going to be driving as well. She's a Derek Cope's uh, nephew. She got a full-time ride, or niece, excuse me, a uh, full-time ride in the truck series this year as well. So a couple of cool opportunities that I'm looking forward to uh, checking out and seeing what happens there. ARCA Racing opens up 4.30 p.m. on Saturday, FS1 from Daytona. And we had another event that already happened. I don't know if you caught any of it on TV. NASCAR Hall of Fame inductions Mm -hmm. were going down. It was good. I mean, look, Tony Stewart (laughs) got in the Hall of Fame, and you just always know that Tony Stewart's got to have a good interview. I mean, he always does. He, he, He had the quote of the night. Tony Stewart is so sarcastic. I mean, I'm a pretty sarcastic guy. I take that role, as Kristen might have noticed over the years of working with me. Every now and then, I decide to be sarcastic. So I get Tony Stewart. I do. And his exact quote, or uh, to paraphrase it, I guess, he, he stood on the stage. And I think it's typical for everybody when they get in the Hall of Fame or they win a championship, they thank the family and their wife, especially, for standing by them. He's like, I want to thank you. Know, I, don't I don't have, have a, a wife <laughs> or a family. Um, I want to thank the various girlfriends who were such a big part of my career for whatever short amount of time they were. Right. Uh, and just for what all that of meant the to me. Just, just what that meant to me. <laughs> Tony Stewart's great, and seriously, uh, I know it's, this is real outdated, and I don't know. It just it gets under my skin. Can people please stop calling Tony Stewart a murderer? Yeah, there were so many comments on that bashing the Hall of Fame and Tony Stewart. Hey, guys, the guy was wearing a black fire suit at night on a dirt track, ran in front of his car, almost got hit by the two cars in front of Tony Stewart. And if you don't know how a sprint car drives, please shut up. Right, you have to turn the wheel to the left. Get the gas going to drive down the bank, and then you also have to turn back right, because if you don't, you're just going to spin out. And what would have happened if he wasn't turning right at that moment? He would have spun out and hit him anyway. Mm-hmm. He just would have crashed into him. So, seriously, if you don't understand how it works, stop, stop saying that. Because yeah. that's, not, that's why. not something like light either. No. Like, you, I mean, at all. You're sitting there like, oh, okay, so he's a murderer and he gets to be in the Hall of Fame. Wow, the standards of... Right. It's just it's so annoying that you don't know how it works. Everybody's got something to say. It's like bash on other stuff with the sport, but yeah, don't like yeah. accuse somebody when they when they've already been at their low point with all of that. Know how it works you know? before you turn yeah. around and start bashing people, please. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It was tragic. A lot of mistakes were made, but you cannot. I mean, there's a reason why the grand jury didn't prosecute Tony Stewart, and it's not because he's just rich. Right. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, Tony Stewart absolutely is not a freaking murderer. Uh, other guys, uh, no, it gets me true. fired up. Yeah, it's got my blood boiling. I'm reading all that stuff. Bobby Labonte, well-deserving. He's going in the Hall of Fame. Joe Gibbs. I mean, Tony Stewart and Joe Gibbs kind of built each other's Hall of Fame careers when you think about it. All the times he spent driving for Joe Gibbs and the championships that Tony won with Joe Gibbs. Buddy Baker. Of course, we know Buddy Baker. I mean, that's 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 old-school NASCAR right there. He's going in. And crew chief Waddell Wilson. Going to be going to the Hall of Fame as well. All very well-deserved um, for the 2020 class in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. And, um, you know, before we get out of here today and uh, wrap up our, our preseason uh, flag to flag before the clash, important to, I think, make note of a driver who really just was around motorsports in so many different ways for so many years. John Andretti, you know, you remember the days where he used to drive the 43 car in the early yeah. 2000s, just a part of so much. I mean, of course, he's an Andretti. 
we know how important all the Andretti's have been to to this sport mm-hmm. across the board. And I'm not talking NASCAR. I'm talking motorsports. Yeah. Um, and he had been fighting for a very long time, colon cancer. He had stage four colon cancer and uh, passed away last week after a long battle at the age of 56 years old. Touched so many people and our condolences to the Andretti family and everybody who knew John Andretti. He seemed like he was just an amazing guy who a lot of people respected. So um, sad stuff. And uh, we're just glad that John Andretti though, got to be such a big part of oh, motorsports. And, you know, yeah. do what you love, you know, for these guys. It really is just such a big part of what they do. So very uh, happy that we got to have John Andretti as a part of our sport, you know, and got to have, you know, he's he's probably the most prominent full-time Andretti that was in NASCAR. You know, you think about how many years he spent in NASCAR as an Andretti. So really awesome stuff that uh, he did during his career in the sport and uh, definitely is, is going to be missed um, as just one of the good guys out there across the board in motorsports. All right, we'll recap it real quick for you because thankfully it is race weekend once again, and we're so close to the Daytona 500. Arkham Menard Series kicks it off. Lucas Oil 200, 4.30 p.m. on FS1. That's Saturday afternoon. Daytona 500 pole qualifying noon on Fox Sunday, and then the Bush Clash Sunday at 3 p.m. on FS1. And you can still get the tickets for everything. The 500 is really close to selling out. It does every year, so if you want to go, you should get them now. Make sure you have money. Yo, don't even get me started on that. I know. One hundred pitch shop for your Daytona tickets, or you can get them um, at Daytona500.com. And uh, remember, Homestead Miami Speedway is coming up pretty soon too, March twenty second, and they got some know, great seats available. That's a different little yeah, it's a little of change pace. on the date. And you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm interested to see how that race is going to go without the championship four element, because you know the guys sometimes you have to race differently the rest of the field around it. And uh, Eric Amarola was saying that when I spoke to him, he thinks it's going to be a very exciting race because of the different mentality that all the drivers can have. Those tickets still available too at HomesteadMiamiSpeedway.com. It's going to be a fantastic race. Um, and you know, reminder: if you want to get involved on the show, you can hit us up. Uh, you got me on Twitter at SuitsKVJ. Whatever you want to say, I mean. Comments, questions, insult us, please. You know, all of it. I, I really don't care. Um, mail at kvjshow.com, too, if you want to send in your thoughts on anything that we do here. Uh, put the subject flag to flag, and we can get that on the air here as well. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. And we're back on the radio soon, too, Monday, February 17th, 9 p.m. on Fox Sports 640. You can catch us on air, recapping the Daytona 500. Thanks for checking out the podcast. We hope you liked it and hope to see you back for next week's Flag to Flag. I'm Suits from the KVJ Show with Kristen Schapaletti. We'll catch you next time.